Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. Hello. Now let's just check. Can you all hear me? Right, you've got no excuse then. When I check what I said with you at the end, I'm not going to do that really. I won't even be able to remember what I said at the end, let alone you, so don't worry about it. My name's Rowena, and I, for those of you that don't know me, which is quite a lot of you today, I look after evangelism, discipleship, and mission here at St. Saviour's. Hands up today, let's start. Who's new? Who's never been here before? There's one brave person. Oh, there's another one. Right, so the rest of you have all been here every week then. Really? Let's try that again. Hands up, who's new? And they haven't been before, haven't been for ages, years, months. Okay. Who's freaking out? Well, thank you. That makes two of us, Crystal, thank you. Oh, and you, Billy. You're not alone. It's okay. We're going to be all right. So, we're going straight into a rather small question this morning. Have you ever thought there must be more to life than this? Yeah, thanks. Someone's put their hand up without being asked. Well done. Have you ever thought, what am I doing? I'm thinking that now, but not in that way. Have you ever thought, what am I doing? There must be more to life than this. Well, I have. It's a nice small question to start us off. So we're going to start in the Bible. And for us as a Christian, we believe that the Bible is God's word. And it's full of chapters that help us and teach us along our journey. And I'm going to read one from one of the books in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. Now, this is a book in the Bible where the writer talks about seeking wealth, popularity, pleasure. Sounds about normal, doesn't it? And he comes to the conclusion that it's all meaningless. He says in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. He then goes on to say, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and then hurries round to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the waters return again to the rivers and flow out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, if that is a wasp, I'm going to freak out. No, it's... It is... It's like some kind of bee wasp thing, right? Any form of boy, come up and get rid of that, please. That would be awesome. Who's not afraid of bee? Why are you there? Staring at me. It's on the thing. Thank you, Sonia. Girl came to help me. Yeah, if you just stand nearby, waft. Only me that could happen to. It's back. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. That's cheery, isn't it? I've started with a really good reading today. But it's so important, I think, that, that reading in the Bible, because what he's talking about really resonates with my journey into faith. 
Ron and I, we were just kind of bobbing about in life. I can't think of a better way to describe it. Just bobbing about, focused on earning money, and quite frankly, a superficial, hedonistic kind of lifestyle. We weren't brought up in a Christian home. Nothing anti-Christian, but, you know, a bit sort of blah in the middle, nothing much. And then one day, whilst trying to have a baby, our rug was pulled from underneath us. I ended up in a coma with my baby still inside me. And Ron was told that I wouldn't survive. My mum and dad had started going to a church when I was a grown-up, and their church prayed for me. Complete strangers took time out to pray for me. Ron prayed for the first time, and he prayed the prayer, if you save my wife, I'll do anything. He's getting his money's worth. I say that every time, be careful what you pray for. And as they prayed, I woke up. And it was the doctors that actually pointed me, well, they were the first people that really pointed me towards faith because they told me it was a miracle. And I didn't know what a miracle was, but I was completely traumatized. And I had a total breakdown because of it. I was literally brought to my knees. Everything we thought was important before that and had been working for literally became meaningless in that moment. The cars, the clothes, the houses, the holidays. Pointless in one traumatic moment. And leading up to this event, we'd been seeking without realizing and wondering about what the true meaning of life really is. Surely it can't be get up, earn money, eat, drink, maybe have a bit of fun, go to bed again, get up, do the same thing the next day. Really? Is that it? That's it? So we'd bought, we'd been to the, the bookshop and bought self-help books because they're really the only ones you can buy. The Bible's there, but it's not really, nobody says buy that. That has the answer. So you buy a self-help book. But clearly, the clue is in the title. It's self-help. Well, that hadn't worked for us so far, had it? So where do you turn when you realize, like the bloke in Ecclesiastes, that your life seems totally meaningless all of a sudden? Everything you thought was it was not it. Where do you go when you don't know anyone and you can't ask them? So these verses really resonated with me. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. And he goes on to say, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found this too was meaningless. He then says, I love this one. I decided to cheer myself with wine. Yeah, we've all done that, haven't we? No, again, it's just me. You lot are all fine. And then he says, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life. He talks about, he goes on and on. I mean, it does not stop. He goes on about how he tried, right, I'll build myself a big house. I'll buy some more slaves. The list went on and on and on. But his killer line in this book was, wait for it, in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 11, he said, but as I looked at everything, I had worked so hard to accomplish It was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. 
And I'm like, wow, it's like he was in my head. I wonder if anybody here has ever felt like that too. Maybe there are some of you here today wondering about that. Why am I doing a 60-hour week and missing putting my kids to bed? Why have we just increased our mortgage and now stressed ourselves up to the eyeballs to pay it? Why am I drinking so much? Why haven't I got any friends anymore? Like this bloke, Ron and I decided in that moment that all the money and success in the world didn't help fill that hole inside us, and it didn't save me from a coma. It was so traumatic. We were so lost. And we didn't leap out of bed and go, woo, let's go off to church, because that's weird. Why would you do that? You wouldn't, would you? No one's ever invited me to church. Which church would I go to? I could walk in and they could be wafting and robes. Or they could be Pentecostal and singing in tongues. What's that about? If no one's invited, why would you go? But we did realize we'd been given a second chance and we needed to make some serious changes in our life. And what you need to know, as we found out, is that God is in your life way before you actually realize it. And he led us to Devon to heal. So we were from London and we went off to Devon We did that escape to the country thing. I love that program. I am literally an 80-year-old lady trapped in a body. There, in Devon, we met Christian people for the first time. I love how she stayed there. Oh, so lovely. She's waiting for the wasp. There, we met Christian people who wait for you when there's a wasp for the first time, and they looked different to everybody else. Now, I don't mean they were wearing socks and sandals and had beards and had crosses on their backs. The women actually shaved very well. (laughs) I'm kidding. But they looked different to us. We described them as having a light inside them that the rest of the world doesn't possess. And we were just drawn to them, absolutely drawn to them. And we finally stepped into a church for the first time. We literally just woke up one morning and went, I really want to go to church. And Ron was like, so do I. We're like, that's weird. Luckily, God is also super organized. It was Sunday. Can you imagine if it had been like Monday or Wednesday and you walked into like a toddler group or something? I'd be like, no thanks. And gone back out the door. Well, we walked into the church and our Christian friends The only way I can describe it is they practically pole vaulted over the pews to get to us first. So we didn't meet that member of the congregation. Eh? Eh? If you don't know who it is, it means it's you. I spent the whole service crying. No idea why. We just described it as we felt like we'd come home. And somewhere deep down in my soul that I'm not in touch with at all, something stirred. And don't get me wrong again, we didn't start singing kumbaya and start leaping about talking about Jesus, because again, that's weird. But we felt like we didn't fit in. We still didn't fit in. We were still too naughty to be Christians, quite frankly. And again, I still am on most days. I could tell you of my inadvertent boob flashing incident, but I won't because it's not a good look for a vicar's wife, really. 
There's still people traumatized by that in this church. You see, there is a hole inside all of us that can only be filled by God's love. We try and fill it with all kinds of things from the world, you know, like alcohol, drugs, food, exercise, stuff, money, success. Add your own one in. But it never works. And the reason for that is because we were designed to be in relationship with our loving God. Every part of our DNA was designed to be in relationship with God because he loves us. And it's a love greater than any human can ever give you. The closest thing to God's fierce love for us that I can find to describe is the love a mum has for her baby. And that doesn't even touch the sides, by the way. All of us here today are loved. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, what your background is, what you've done, what you haven't done, what mistakes you've made, who you've hurt, who's hurt you, God's love is for you. If you hear one thing I say today, that is it. God's love is for you and you and for me. He loves you so much that he sent his only son named Jesus to die for you so we may live. So if you're not in relationship with God, then I'm here to tell you that 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 is where the hole and the ache that you cannot explain inside you. It doesn't attribute to any part of your life or anything that's happened to you has come from. You know, when people say to you, do you know I've got a good partner, a good job, lovely kids and family, friends, a home, but I just don't feel happy. Something is missing. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's God's love for you in here. And I wonder if that's you today. And that's really why he brought you here today. Maybe you've said that recently. You're thinking, wow, that annoying woman's climbed into my head. How did she know? Please don't leave with that same ache that you came with. If that is you, let us pray for you before you leave. Because if you don't believe in prayer, you've got nothing to lose. You've got nothing to lose. If you don't believe it's going to work, doesn't matter. Just let us pray for you. But maybe it might just change your life forever. For us, we kept hearing people talk about this Jesus person. So we did the Alpha course to prove it was wrong. That went well. And we started to learn about him. There's another book in the Bible called 1 Timothy 1. And in chapter, uh, verse 15 and 16 is a bloke called Paul. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. How beautiful is that? You might not quite have got to the beautiful bit. But what you need to know about Paul is he was a total nutter before he found God's love. Not a little one, a big one. He was like murdering Christians and everything. And God's up there going, <laughs> that 
That's what you think, mate. And he brought Paul, who used to be called Saul. Maybe get a new name when you get baptized. You'll all have new names afterwards. Don't panic. That doesn't happen always. He brought him to his knees, literally in his case, a bit like me and Ron. And God led him to a man who told him the truth of the wonderful message of the redemption of God's love for him. And at that moment, Paul changed completely and dedicated the rest of his life to helping others to learn of God's love. So he wrote this. When he wrote this, he was saying, Jesus came to save all the people who make mistakes. That's us, isn't it? I make loads of mistakes. Jesus came to save all the people who made mistakes. And he was saying, and I, Paul, am the worst, the worst. You can't get worse than me. But that's why God chose him. And that's why God did it. To show the world that he loves everyone, no matter how bad they believe they are. Or indeed, in his case, how bad they actually are. So you see, he's saying God's love can't be earned. It's not about being good or helping people. It isn't just for the super holy people, because this church would be empty if it was. I definitely wouldn't be here. In terms of Ofsted, I am definitely in requires improvement. Joke for all the teachers out there, because you're going back next week. (gasps) Don't anger them. He is saying, yes, I mean you. Even if you think you're the worst person like Paul. God is saying, my love is for you. Who is God's love for? Have I made it clear? Who is it for? Let's say it again as though we believe it. Who is God's love for? Yes, all of you. And maybe you haven't been loved well. Maybe you haven't even been loved at all by anyone. And you're thinking, why would God choose me? Nobody loves me. Why would he love me? Well, that was me too. I've done some pretty horrible things that I'm not proud of. And indeed, God is still working off the shame of those things. But his truth will set me and you free. Because you see, when we were knitted together in our mother's womb, God decided the world needed one of you. He didn't have to create you He chose to. Do you really know that? He looked at the world and went, there's a hole and it's shaped like you. He didn't have to create you, he chose to. And like these people today who are being baptized into the kingdom of God, Ron and I gave our lives to Jesus. I found a beautiful definition of baptism online which said, baptism is like a wedding ring. We put on a wedding ring as a symbol of our commitment and devotion. In the same way, baptism is a picture of devotion and commitment to Christ. A wedding ring reminds us and tells others that we belong to someone special. And in the same way, baptism reminds us and others that we are devoted to Christ and we belong to him. And at that point, our old life, our mistakes, our pain are washed away. And we're born again. All our sins, all our mistakes... They're forgiven, and we start again. Now, that didn't mean that our life suddenly became perfect, because it really didn't. 
Because actually, when you give your life to Jesus, he's actually going to do something with it. I don't think I expected him to do anything with it, but he did. It was such fun. But just as when a baby is born, they need to learn everything from talking and walking to feeding themselves. It's the same when you become a Christian. It's not the end of your journey. It's the beginning of your journey. The beginning of learning how loved you are and how you are called to go out and love your neighbor in the same way. So today, all these people shed their meaningless existence. I'm not saying their existence was meaningless, by the way. I'm going back to the Bible just to put that out there. All these people will shed their meaningless existence and start the journey to finding the very reason they were put here on this earth, why God decided the world needed one of them. And it's not too late, you know. If you've been wondering about life and if there's more to it and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, you think, oh, at least you know what, I've made a bit of a pig's ear of it so far. Let's give it to him and see what he does. Then be bold. And do it right here, right now. All you have to do is put your hand up or come over and find me after this talk or anyone here and we will pray with you. It's as simple and as beautiful as that. If today is your day, don't be British. Step out. Maybe you'd like to be baptized today and you think, oh, it's not too late. You can make that decision too and jump in, literally. Doesn't matter if you haven't got a towel or your mascara might run. It doesn't matter. Just stand up and say yes. Or maybe you'd like to know more. Then come and join us as we start the Alpha course here, like me and Ron did. We're starting that on Wednesday the 19th of September at 7.30. It's a great place to learn more and a safe place to ask questions. I am alive because people prayed for me and our loving Father saved me. I am living proof of God's enormous love for us all. Me. He came and he got me and Ron and he showed us his love. He came and he showed us who we really were and the potential that he had placed inside us. So if you hear nothing else I say today, please hear today that God loves you. He loves you and he's relentlessly pursuing a relationship with you. You may have been attending church all your life and not realized that. Or maybe today is your first ever day. It doesn't matter. God's love is for you. And he's beckoning you towards him like a loving father to just hold you and love you. But as any loving father does, he's leaving it up to you whether you say yes, whether you respond. So I'm going to leave you with one final verse. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So if that's you and you want to do that, we're here for you today. Just come and find one of us. We speak for Christ when we plead, 
come back to God. Amen. For more information, please go to www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.